0: Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, welcome all of our campuses, all of you watching online, all of us here at Frisco East. Can I just ask the question, how many enjoying this weather? Man, I love it. I love it. The older I get, the colder I like it. And uh, man, if it breaks 70, I'm in a flannel. How many wish you could live in a flannel? Man, I love it. Hey, welcome, and uh, this is week three of a series we're calling Traditions, kind of visiting some of the Christian traditions of our faith over the last few weeks. Week one, we talked about the Apostles' Creed. And, and, and really, the Apostles' Creed, it, it keeps us in line. It, it, all denominations, mostly in Christian faith across the world, can agree to the fundamentals of the Apostles' Creed. It's not complicated. There's not a lot of uh, explanation. Uh, We can uh, believe different things about each line, but it keeps us within guardrails. And that day, we talked about some ables of our faith, able to explain our faith, able to defend our faith, and then able to even die for our faith if need be. Last week, Terry did a great job talking about communion and, and talked about the Passover lamb and and uh, the, the bread and the wine. But what I loved about it was the difference between tradition and nostalgia. Nostalgia is one of those things we look back on different things. You know, you like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, right? We all love that. When you see that on TV, it's like, oh, I remember that. And, and you're like, man, I love that. That was the nose, you know. <laughs> um, and, and we look back at things in, a, in our uh, high school years. The alma mater, you hear that. And it's like, oh, man, it brings you back. Well, tradition not only brings you back, but it also moves you forward to uh, the promises of God and, and all that we have as believers. And so today, different uh, little teaching on penance and repentance. Many of us were raised in traditions, different traditions, theologically, denominations. We, some of us were raised in in a tradition where along with, and I did some research so that I would not misrepresent you know, anything as far as penance or even denominational thinking about repentance, um, but many of us were raised in a tradition where we understand, bottom line, that Jesus paid for, atoned for our sins, but in addition to that atonement, then we would pay for, in what we would call penance, uh, for our sin. We would recite some prayers, or we would do some good deeds, and, and then we would be forgiven and relieved of the pressure and the guilt of that sin. Now, on the other side of that spectrum, you have people like me who were raised in, in pretty much a tradition that if one sin, you're going to hell, right? How many raised in that tradition? You, you, I mean, man, if you you, was, you said a wrong word and Jesus came back, you have missed the rapture. Okay? Some of you don't even know what we're talking about. Okay, it's okay. And then there's some in the middle of the spectrums where you were secure in your salvation, but that almost gave you a license then to just do whatever you wanted. To just sin and, oh, well, we're forgiven. We, I'm, I'm secure. And, and I'm not saying that you're not, we're not secure. Thank God for the assurance of, of our salvation. However, today I have two goals And I think it's going to help us today. Number one, I want to define and dismiss penance. I'm going to do this not in a prideful way, but I want us to help. And I don't think there's many of us that that really struggle with that one. So we're we're going to hit it, and then we're going to move on to number two, discover the lifelong journey of repentance. In other words, what is a healthy view of repentance? How many have sinned since you have believed in Jesus? How many have sinned since you... Okay, let me ask that again. How many have sinned since you... Okay, so, yeah, we have all sinned. And how many have repented of every single sin that you've ever committed? (coughs) We're going to learn. We're going to talk about it. What is healthy repentance? What is this idea of repentance? But first, number one is define and dismiss penance. Before I dive into that, let me just say one further thing about our past. Many of us, when we look at our church tradition, if you were raised in church, some of you have a an aversion. It's, it's almost like when, when the Catholic church is mentioned, you bristle and you just, oh, and there's a bitterness that kind of rises up. Or a Southern Baptist church is mentioned, you're like, oh my goodness. Our, or a charismatic Pentecostal tradition, you're like, oh. Well, What I want to submit to you today is all of us have had things about our past growing up in church that we maybe didn't like. Maybe it was wrong teaching, maybe it was some kind of abuse or some kind of misuse of authority, maybe it was some kind of disillusionment thing. Can I just encourage you today before we move on to to let go of, of whatever it is that you are holding against your past? Whatever it is, teaching-wise, whatever it is, experience-wise, whatever it is, condemnation-wise, whatever it is, can you and I move past the hurt, the disappointment, and, and not carry this weight of bitterness or this weight of anger or this weight of, of confusion and de- deconstruction? Could we, could we just move past some of those things and move forward to what God has for us, and the joy and the abundant life that He's died for us to enjoy. So as we think about this, the the first one, put that back on the screen, sorry, is define and dismiss penance. Let me give you the definition. This is out of the dictionary, so I didn't make it up. It's voluntary self-punishment inflicted as an outward expression of repentance for having done wrong. So in other words, we're going to do something to relieve the guilt. We're going to do something to atone for, to make up for our sin. Now, I, I think that through Scripture, I'm just going to, I mean, again, I'm just going to hit this and then we're going to move on, but, but I just want to establish some things that you and I can, so that we're on the same page, that no matter how good you are or I am, no matter how many good deeds you and I do, it will never be enough to atone for our sin. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus died, because we couldn't atone. We couldn't make sacrifice. We couldn't make up for our sin. 1 John chapter 1 says it this way, but if we confess our sins to him, he is, not you, not me, not a pastor or a priest, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Done. As far as the east is from the west. Done. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Acts 3.19. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Ephesians 1.7. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom. In other words, he bought it. It was a high price He bought it. He paid it with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. I love this one, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. You're not, listen, you're not saved because you do enough good. God sees that good and says, "Woo." look at that guy. Jesus, you see that guy? Wow. Man, we need to bring him on the team, draft him. He doesn't look at us, and we're not like, oh, we're not, we don't get saved. We're not extended salvation, or let me say this, we're not extended forgiveness because we're good. And we don't keep our salvation because we're good. We're extended salvation because he's good. And we keep our salvation because he's good. You're not saved because of the good things you've done. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you've done or we've done. So none of us can boast about it. So let me put it on the screen like this and we'll move on. The idea that we can atone or pay for our sin either keeps us, listen, it keeps us in condemnation. It keeps this cloud over our hearts, our lives, that, that God is just, okay, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? Boom, wow. It's, it's this condemnation and this guilt. It either keeps us there or it numbs the seriousness of our sin. In other words, it's like, ah, that's no big deal. I'll just go to confession. Ah, that's no big deal. I'll just go do some good things in a, a makeup for it it's no big deal it's not no 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 there's a there's a manage attention to manage between the two between the guilt and that we got to pay somehow and we got to be sorry enough that he will you know understand that we really are authentic or we can just say ah, it's no big deal see this is what this is what I believe what penance does it just keeps us in either or just like man, I've, I'm never worthy. I'm just, I'm just a loser, uh, spiritually speaking. And, or it keeps us in this, eh, it's no big deal, I'll just say some things and, and do some things and we'll be done. Okay. Enough said about that. I don't think most of us struggle with this, but I just wanted to lay the foundation as we talk about this tradition of repentance because I think in both areas, whether it be penance or repentance, I think there's some, there, I th- I think there's some um, uh, extremes that we need to avoid. Now, number two, goal today, is to discover the lifelong journey of repentance. The lifelong journey of repentance. Again, let me just say, you're not and I'm not going to think of every little sin that you've committed. How many have sinned in the last week? Don't, can I just, you know, just for a show of hands, sin in the last week? How many have sinned before when you came in this room? Right? Some of you had bad thoughts you have bad you came in with a bad attitude oh they're singing that song again (laughs) right or whatever it's freezing in here (laughs) and i know that's one that all of all right okay so the idea that we're going to remember and have to repent of every sin that is not the idea jesus has paid for our sins past present and future that's a good news of the gospel so we're not, we're, not, we're not teaching or we're not trying to lay on ourselves this like, wow, this Old Testament kind of repentance where sackcloth and ashes and although yet there is a seriousness that we need to take. So what, what, is, what would be the lifelong journey of repentance and what does that really mean for us as New Testament believers? Well, I, I, interestingly enough, I, I want to tackle that question with an Old Testament example. David, King David. I'm not going to dive into a whole. A lot of us know the story of David, but just in case you don't, David, the shepherd boy who killed Goliath, very popular in Israel because of that. Samuel anoints him king. Saul is rejected by God because of his rebellion and disobedience. David is anointed as king, early age, but Saul is jealous of David's popularity. David's killed his thousands, the parade in Jerusalem. David's killed his thousands. Saul's killed his thousands. And Saul was like, what? And then he chases David for the rest of Saul's life. He would chase David to kill David because he was jealous. David avoids him for years. Saul finally dies in battle. David takes the throne, and he is the people's king. He is one of those guys that is sensitive and a manly man. Does it make sense? I mean, he is writing songs and poetry and hymns and prayers to God, worshiping God in the temple, sensitive heart towards God, but he is a mighty warrior on the other hand. He is respected in every way. I mean, he is by far the most famous king of Israel. God, in fact, in the New Testament, describes him as a man after God's own heart. So there's this There's this almost New Testament-like relationship that God has with, that that David has with God. I mean, it's very rare that you look back in the Old Testament, it's like, man, that was almost like New Testament relationship. Well, David, as his leadership grows, would not be perfect. And, and, And the story is at the time of the king's season to go to war, whatever that means, and why ever they did that, they would go to war, kings would, and then they would come back in a parade, and they would taunt their victory, and everybody would, yeah, hell, King David, and, and it would be great. Well, David this time decided to stay home, recharge, relax. He's in his palace while the season is for kings to go to war, and he wanders off to his balcony, and he sees this lady on the rooftop bathing and lust fills his heart, and he calls her. She's a married woman, but he calls her to his palace. They have a physical relationship, and, all, you know, thinking, it's, okay, it's all done. Um, well, she gets, she gets word to King David that I'm pregnant. What do I do? And, and so David gets the idea, well, I'm going to call your husband to come back, spend a few days. You know what I mean by that? Spend a few days. And, and then everything will be fine. It's kind of in the same time frame. And so David calls for Uriah, that's Bathsheba's husband, the girl that David had the affair with, and um, calls him back to his home and says, Hey, you've been, you've been fighting like crazy. I want you to have a little rest. I want you to come back, go to your home, enjoy your wife, and, 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 and get some downtime for the next few days. Well, Uriah is a warrior, and he, can't, he just can't do it. It, while, his, while his men are in battle, he, he can't just have fun and recharge. And he's, he just feels bad. So he doesn't actually go into the house. He sleeps outside. Talk about frustration. David's like, you idiot. So finally, what David has to do is he sends him into the front lines or on the front lines of the battle, knowing that Uriah would be killed. And he, in fact, would be killed. All the while trying to cover up The sin. Uriah is killed, takes Bathsheba as his wife, all is good. Until 2 Samuel chapter 12. So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb and it grew up with his children." It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. Modern day dog. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. So they were not talking about the rich man. And instead of killing one of his animals from his flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb. Killed it and prepared it for his guest. David was furious. He said, surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to that poor man for the one he stole for having no pity. Then Nathan the prophet said to David, you are that man. The Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdom of Israel and Judah. And if that were not enough, had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites and stolen his wife. From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. This is what the Lord says, because of what you have done, I will cause your own house to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes and he will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all Israel." In this story, and, and what we're going to find is a tremendous response. Just when David thought everything was covered, everything David stood for for all his life in the shepherd field. Um, I mean, you know, fending off uh, wild animals to protect his sheep, killing Goliath. The hymns and the songs and the prayers and the poems. I mean, just everything that David stood for. Everything that he was enjoying. Every battle that he had won now was going to crumble around him. His family was an interesting point in his life. How would he respond? What would David say to Nathan? What he says to Nathan I believe, is a pattern for our journey with repentance. Stay with me. Stay with me. And let's go to the first observation. David owns his sin. He would own his sin. 2 Samuel chapter 12. Here's what he just says. Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Uh, Psalm 51 where David writes this in the middle of this mess. He says, wash me clean from my guilt, purify my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. Now, one of the things that David could have done as a king is he could have powered up. He could have just said, hey, Nathan, for, for, you know, number one, why, why, who are you to come in here to my throne room like this? I ban you from this country. Get, you know, whatever. He could have powered up. He could have denied it. He could have, you know, I don't know if he was a good liar or not, he could have just said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, Nathan, you must have missed God. Um, but man, that, no, that's, that's further from the truth. David could have deflected and said, you know, Nathan, I've been thinking about this, and you know, I, I know what the law says, but that was written so long ago. And I, I just feel like, those things aren't, you know, where we are today. And, and, and David could have taken the liberty to just change the Word of God to fit our convenient sin. Does this make sense what I'm saying? It's what we do. It's what I do. Sometimes we just ignore some Scriptures and we just say, oh, you know what, I'm going to ignore that. I'm just going to do what I want. And I'm, I'm going to build a case around what I want to do. David could have done any one of those things or, or all of them. David doesn't do that. David immediately owns the sin. He doesn't try the denial first and see how it goes. He doesn't try to, I mean, he just says, God, I have sinned against God. As soon as he was confronted, as soon as he was confronted, he just says, you know what? I acknowledge it, and I own it. This is nuts. Can I encourage us? And again, I'm not talking about every little sin. I'm talking about just an an understanding of our relationship with God. It's not that we have to repent every time we, we have a little sin. It's this understanding of acknowledgement and ownership that we have violated God's Word, that we have gone our own way. We all have done this and just acknowledge and own it and say, I have sinned against you. Holy cow. I don't, I've got friends that acknowledge the sin, but will not own the sin. And I know I did wrong, but then there's justification, because you don't know what kind of marriage I had. You don't understand the, what I went through. You, you would understand, and I mean, there's a lot of justification. There's a lot of that, and then I've got friends that, man, totally own their sin, and they're like, man, I want to get restored. I want to get healed. Who are you? Can I just say God loves you either way? God invites you to the table. How many thank God that his mercy is new every morning? So understand this about consequences. We all know that there are consequences of sin. But the so Old Testament. David is going to have some consequences we'll talk about in a minute. But consequences of our sin have been paid for in what Jesus did on the cross. So, what we go through in the consequences of sin this way, Jesus has paid for. Now, this way, man, there are consequences. There are relational breaks. There are things that are hurtful and painful, and families, and and there's all kinds of things that consequences this way. But the good news of the gospel, so I want to make sure this is clear, is the consequences of our sin, the anger or the wrath of God for the sin we've committed was lashed out on Jesus. That is good news. And David, when he's confronted with his sin, he doesn't hide it, he doesn't sweep it under the rug, he doesn't power up, he doesn't deflect or deny, he just says, man, I own my sin. Second, second is, is number two, David's repentance re-engaged his relationship with God. David wandered. He, 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 for whatever reason, David just decided not to go to war. He decided to stay, and he wandered. He, was, he got involved in this whole mess, and it was like, oh, my goodness. Now, the consequences of David's sin further was that the baby that David and Bathsheba made would be, would, would be killed, would be dead, would die and David was distraught. David went into fasting and prayer. I know that we have trouble with scriptures like this, that the baby would well, how could God do that? I, I understand all that. I understand all that, but we're going to get to this this is a pattern for us to, to understand in New Testament to understand how do we live out this repentance thing. David reengages after. All this stuff happens. Let me, let's, read, let's, let's read the story of what David does when he finds out the baby dies. Here's what he does. Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on the lotions, and changed his clothes. He went to the tabernacle and worshiped the Lord. Now let's just stop there for a second. How many, don't raise your hands, but how many have walked through consequences? Whether somebody else's sin that, that happened to you and you're, you're sitting there with a mess, or your own sins that have made a mess, how many of us, don't raise your hands, but how many of us have been just, this isn't fair? This, I just don't get it, God. And it, obviously, David could, have, David could have just said, God, you know what? I've asked you to take my life. This is out of bounds. This is not fair. Many of us could have said, many of us do say, man, this is not right. We get mad at God. We get mad at the church. We get mad at, at, at life. It's just, this is not the way we were raised, what happened to us. And, and we start making all the, the normal and, 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 and uh, very, very regular excuses. But, but the reality is that David didn't do any of those things. David didn't get angry and bitter with Nathan. David didn't get angry and bitter with the, with the church. The tabernacle, he didn't get bitter and angry with God. He didn't say, how dare you? This is not fair. One mistake and now look at, this isn't. He goes right to the church and he prays. And he worships. Many of us, man, we lay out of church for 20 years because of something that happened. We dance around this whole spiritual thing because we messed up. Somebody else messed up, I and mean, it wasn't fair. and We don't like it. We don't like the way it was done. We don't like the way it was handled. And so, man, we dance around our relationship with God, dance around our relationship with the church, with the people. Guys, can we see a pattern here that David just ran to God? Just ran to God, not run run away from him. Many of us, we lay out of our faith, we lay out of our relationship because of this or that. I, guys, no church is going to be perfect. No pastor is going to be perfect. You're not perfect. Don't allow the, the, the mistakes of somebody or even the judgment or condemnation of somebody rob you of your relationship with God now and in the future. David shows us the way, and he just went, of all the people who could have been angry and bitter. David could have been angry and bitter. What did he do? I worship you. You are worthy. You're worthy in my good times, and you're worthy in my bad times. You're worthy when somebody sins against me. You're worthy when I sin. He comes back to his first love. And there, listen, he finds forgiveness. He finds healing. He finds restoration. Guys, don't run from your relationship with God. Just because you've messed up. Just because you've done something. Or because something was done to you. Don't run from that. You'll live your life in bitterness and regret all the while Jesus inviting you because it's his, his kindness that leads you to repentance. It's not his anger. It's, it's not God, well, I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to take away, I'm going to, no, 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 it's, it's his kindness. That's why repentance is a good thing. Repentance is not a thing to shy away from. Repentance brings freedom. You ever said something to your husband or your wife that you regretted? I mean, you really went low, and, and you, as soon as it comes out of your mouth, you're like, oh, I'm going to pay for that for five years. I mean, you're just like, oh, my goodness. And then you go back, and you actually say, would you forgive me? I am so sorry. I, I, I mean, I let anger get the best of me. I should never have said that. Please forgive me. And then your spouse goes, oh, thank you for saying that that hurt me, but I, I forgive you. Let's move on. How many know the feeling of that? that that's a good feeling. I mean, that's a, that's a joyous thing. Repentance is not this, oh my goodness, I got to repent. I get to. What does that mean? I'm just going to own my sin. I'm going to run to God, not away from him. And then number three, David uses his pain for God's purpose. God God can use our mess to help somebody else. He can use your sin. He can use my sin. He can take what we've done or what's been done to us. And he can actually turn some good in this mess. Here's what David prays after all this stuff goes on with him. Psalm 51, 13. Then I will teach your ways to rebels, and they will return to you. David says, oh, Lord. In this whole chapter, go back and read Psalm 51. It's awesome. He's God created me a clean heart, renewing me a right spirit. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. I know I've messed up. It's before me day and night. The guilt is just overwhelming god i don 't want to live this way, and I promise you this you restore me, you forgive me, and I will make it i, I will I will make sure that I help someone else not fall into the same traps I fell into that 's what regeneration is all about every Monday night six thirty at this campus that 's what regeneration is all about reengage our marriage so that 's what it's about Bible studies and classes just helping us live this lifestyle of repentance, not every sin, and not taking our sin lightly. It's managing the tension of, of this relationship with God that actually repentance is not an Old Testament thing. It's not like, oh, this It's not something we should do. No, no. It, it is this thing that becomes a joy that we live in, that we say, oh man, Lord, I, I, I own my sin. I, I want to turn away from that repentance, and I want to engage with you, not run from you, and then, after you bring rest, restoration and healing, then I can use my mess for your purpose. And that's what this whole repentance journey is about. It's a pattern. It's a it's an, it's a it's a privilege that we get to walk in repentance. Not again. Not condemnation. Not overwhelming guilt where I'm just I'm just, I'm a loser. How many? You just, you, you, you always, you've felt this way. Maybe, maybe you've felt this way. Maybe you're sitting here right now, you're going, John, I've tried all this. I keep, I keep, same sin, keep going back, keep going back, like a dog to his vomit. You know, just like, man, I like, sorry. It's bad. It's a scripture, though. It's a scripture. I mean, really, some of you just given up. You're just like, I, 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 there's nothing I, can I just tell you again, His mercy is new every morning. God is not mad at you. Everybody look at me. God is not mad at you. God has sent his son to pay for the sins of the world, to pay for your sin, so that you could be reconciled, renewed, and healed, put back together. The broken pieces of your heart could put back together. All you do, repentance is just receiving that. Repentance is just saying, God, I want to walk in that. I want to use that to help somebody else. Let me put it on the screen like this. Repentance is a lifelong journey of continuing to turn from our sin, re engage in our relationship with God when we wander, and then use what we're learning to help others. This is what repentance is it's a good thing. Don't run from Him. Many of you, it's porn. Many of you, it's alcohol. Many of you, it's drugs. Many of you, it's buying too many things and you're, you, just, you just keep going in some kind of pattern that's not healthy, it's not really good, it really turns into sin. Can I just tell you, man, he, just pick up today. Just get back up. And say, you know what, I want to turn from that. I don't want to do that, Lord. You know my heart. So I'm going to go to Regen. I'm going to go to AA. I'm gonna go get help at the counselor. I'm 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 gonna do what I need to do, I'm gonna read my word, I'm gonna engage with my relationship with God. And God, I want you to heal me. I don't wanna live in this, I don't wanna live this mess. And then a week later you mess up, can I just tell you get back up again? You don't have to live, that's why, there is no such thing as penance. You cannot take care of it. You can't do enough good, I can't do enough good. Quit worrying about that and just get up and go. Say God, wow, here I am again. Okay, welcome to the club. Every one of us do that. Let's live, let's live in his love and his joy and and, and what he invites us to. And when we talk about the tradition of repentance, guys, it is an awesome thing to live this way. And some of us as believers, there's some things we need to revisit in our lives. There's some people we need to let go of. When I say let go, I don't mean in in a bitter way. I just mean we need to let go of their sin against us. We need to let go of our sin against them. We need to ask for forgiveness. We need to make some things right, and we need to head toward the Lord, head toward the tabernacle, worship Him no matter what, and then get restored and renewed so that He can use you. He loves us, and He invites us to repentance not for every little sin, but so that we can be restored and healed on a continual basis because we're going to continue to sin. We're going to continue to mess up. Hopefully, though, we start learning some things. Does this make sense? We start learning some things and we start turning from that. We get the help that we need and say, you know what? I'm going to leave that thing behind and many of you have done that. It's an awesome thing. My main point for us today is I felt burdened at some of us We've just held things so long against God and against the church, and we've not run to him. We've run from him. In a way, we've made it very, very, um, we've disguised it well. And you're, you're missing. Guys, you're missing the joy of your salvation when we do that. God, your word is a sword, and, and it cuts, but it's good. It cuts between what I want and what you want. And many of us have living our lives in some bitter state because of sin of some kind, maybe ours or somebody else's, and and it just doesn't have to be that way. And we find in David's response, he wasn't perfect, but we find in his response a pattern, a, a journey for our lives. And so, Lord, I pray for believers today that need to come back to you in a full-on, engaged way, quit running, quit hiding, and allow you to use us for your purpose. For those of us that have never really accepted Jesus, and we've just never we believe in what you've done and who you are, but we've never crossed that line of faith. In other words, we've never become a Christian. We've never stated, yeah, I want to serve and follow Jesus. Well, that should mean we—that just means we turn from our sin, we turn from our selfishness, we turn from our own way, and we turn to you. Repenting of our, all that stuff, turning to you, running to you. Whoever we are today... God, I pray your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives right here, right now, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.